Hello, Rebecca Langley here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. I want to acknowledge that this program was recorded on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation. On Monday, I spoke with Liam Ward from the RMIT NTEU Branch Committee about their activities and how they are organising workers to take action in the face of climate crisis. Also this week, our good friend Marcus went along to the Rockpool rally after it was revealed this week that they are being investigated for doctoring workers' timesheets to avoid paying them their correct wages. But first, some union news. On Monday, the Sydney Morning Herald reported that bartenders and card dealers at Melbourne's Crown Casino will walk off the job for two hours this Friday night in the first of a series of industrial actions their union has warned will continue through the spring racing season. The union, United Voice, said on Monday that its members, which include car dealers, bar and restaurant staff, hotel workers and security guards, had voted overwhelmingly in favour of taking industrial action amid stalled negotiations over a new wage deal. United Voice said casino workers would walk off the job for two hours this Friday night, leaving bars and restaurants unattended and gaming rooms without dealers, in the first strike action at the South Bank complex for 16 years. Workers would decide on Friday night on whether or not to continue action on the following day, the union said. Saturday is Derby Day at Flemington Racecourse, the first major meeting for Melbourne Cup Week. The union did not specify what form the subsequent action would take, although its members have approved action including strikes of up to 24 hours and a ban on serving alcohol. United Voice said about half of Crown's frontline workers were union members and would take part in the strike. The ACTU has reported that the Morrison government's Industrial Relations Minister, Christian Porter, will immediately bring forward legislative changes, removing rights to negotiate for better pay from workers involved in infrastructure projects and employed on greenfield agreements. Greenfield agreements are made before any worker is employed on the project and currently have maximum four-year term, after which the workers have the right to negotiate their paying conditions. The government's proposal changes all of that at the urging of big businesses like Chevron, Woodside and BHP. Under the proposed laws, these greenfield agreements could run for the life of a project. Some projects can take between 5 and 10 years to build. That's up to 10 years without the right to negotiate a pay rise. The announcement preempts the government's own consultation process, which has called for submissions by November 1st and now seeks to lock in big business profit margins at the expense of workers' rights to collectively bargain. In response, ACTU Secretary Sally McManus said that despite Prime Minister Morrison's promise that any reforms to industrial laws would lift wages, this is all about stopping workers from negotiating higher pay. According to one of Education International's affiliates in Iraq, the Kurdistan Teachers' Union, the Turkish attack in northeastern Syria has already caused immense loss, with 18 teachers and 22 students killed, 810 schools damaged, 
22 schools destroyed and 86,000 students unable to attend classes. 5,000 refugees are reported to have arrived in the Kurdistan region of Iraq over the past few days, with no humanitarian support in place. David Edwards, Education International General Secretary, stated, We strongly denounce this unconscionable violence and join the global community in calling for the immediate end to these attacks on civilians, students and teachers. We express our solidarity with the Kurdish people in this dark hour. Education International has mobilised in support of those affected by the military aggression. An urgent action appeal was sent to Education International's 391 member organisations in over 170 countries and territories, encouraging them to contact the Turkish embassies in their countries and call for an immediate end to the destructive military intervention. EI and its members urged Turkey to endorse the Safe Schools Declaration and to implement the guidelines for protecting schools and universities from military use during armed conflict. Schools and all education institutions must not be targeted or used in any way in military operations. Students, educators and all civilians who have already witnessed the horrors of war must not be victimised again. They must be allowed to rebuild their lives and communities. On Tuesday, October 29th, the Victorian state government announced that workplace manslaughter is to be enshrined in law. As many as 30 people are killed in workplaces across the state every year, with 19 people having already lost their lives so far in 2019. Under the proposed new laws, employers who negligently cause a workplace death will face fines of up to $16.5 million and individuals will face up to 20 years in jail. Too many Victorians have had their lives tragically cut short after simply going to work, and this new offence will attempt to hold employers who don't put safety first to account. The offence will fall under the Occupational Health and Safety Act 2004 and will apply to employers, self-employed people and officers of the employers. The legislation will also apply when an employer's negligent conduct causes the death of a member of the public. Unions have been campaigning for the introduction of industrial manslaughter legislation for decades, but over the last few years there has been a strong and sustained push, and it has finally paid off with the legislation being introduced to the Victorian Parliament on October 29th. A second 48-hour stoppage is happening at Australian Paper in Maryvale, Gippsland, from 6am Wednesday until 6am Friday. AMWU members will again be stopping work as part of ongoing EBA negotiations. Let's show our support via social media. If you're in Melbourne, come and show your support to the OI Glass Workers on the picket line. They have a weekly rally and barbecue every Friday from 7am to 11am at OI Glass 20 to 40 Booker Street, Spotswood. You're listening to Stick Together. Workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. You may have heard about people blockading the International Mining and Resources Conference, or IMARC, in Melbourne this week. Liam Ward is an NTEU member and I had a chat with him about his reasons for participating in the blockade and what his branch has been up to. Uh, My name's Liam Ward. I work at Armarkey University 
and um, an active member of the National Tertiary Education Union. Great. I noticed that you and your group were doing some activities lately around IMARC. Could you tell me about that? Uh, yeah. Um, the IMARC conference is um, a sort of global gathering of some of the worst uh, union-busting, um, you know, indigenous land-stealing, genocidal, fossil fuel-polluting companies, uh, you know, in the history of global capitalism. Um, and they're all coming to Melbourne to have uh, their conference to decide you know, how they can screw us over and screw the planet uh, better for them for the next sort of 12 months. Um, so a coalition of activist groups, um, you know, who usually organise around really a subset of particular issues have sort of come together um, uh, around this. And, and our, int- our intent is to, to try to have as many people as possible, uh, you know, outside that building, the conference centre, and actually try to stop that conference going ahead. Yeah, and so what, what did your group do? What we've done is... Uh, Coming out of the global climate strike about a month back, um, we had a quite a huge turnout of uh, RMIT staff. Like probably we estimate a couple of hundred. Um, and I want to go back and talk about that in a second. But there's um, one of the things that really indicated to me was that there is, um, you know, a large chunk of the working population at that institution who um, who are desperate to try to take action around around the climate crisis. Um, and so I'm on the union branch committee there at RMIT as well. So uh, we had a bit of a chat about it at our next branch meeting and said, well, look, we've got to try to keep this momentum going and it's a way to try to build organisation and build activism, um, you know, amongst our branch. So we decided let's let's just call a kind of climate crisis meeting of the members and, and see who comes um, and we'll see what we can do with them. And in the event, we got about 50 people to that meeting. So 50 workers from across RMIT came to that meeting with about a week's notice. And at that meeting, um, we decided to do you know, we sort of set up an agenda of things we want to do in the immediate future. And, you know, the first item on that agenda is to have an official kind of union contingent from our workplace at the IMARC blockade. Um, so, yeah, that's really where it started. We just thought, well, this is something we can actually do, um, you know, that builds on that momentum from the amazing turnout at the climate strike. I spoke to some of the, the blockade organisers and they said, look, the, you know, the main day for the sort of all-in blockade is, is Tuesday. So this morning, on the Monday morning, um, there was the, uh, you know, the, the smoky ceremony from Aboriginal activists, Robbie Thorpe and Viv Milo, legends, um, and, and a series of other kind of protest events. But tomorrow is the sort of start of the all-in blockade. So that's when we'll have our union contingent down there from 7am. Yeah. And whose who's idea was that to, to join in, in with these activities? That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Am I too modest for your show? Yes, that was me. Um, yeah, it was just because we were sort of looking for things. You know, we thought, look, this, as I said, the momentum coming out of the global climate strike. And we know there's, you know, the climate crisis is, in a sense, you know, it's one of the defining issues of, of the day. Uh, and it's not going anywhere. It's only going to get worse. You know, the, the capitalist class around the world is sort of digging in. Um, and, and so, yeah, we were looking for ways to, to bring that, that really palpable sense of mass uh, crisis that's out there. You know, people, you know, on a mass scale kind of a, a know that, that the planet is hurtling towards disaster um, and want to do something about it. And our unions, you know, are still the main vehicle for ordinary working people to actually bloody do something, you know. Um, so, yeah, we desperately wanted to try to bring that sense of, um, you know, that sense of willingness to engage and do things. We wanted to bring that into our union and use it as a, as a means for organising. Uh, you know, like I said, we got 50 people to the to the climate crisis meeting that we called for our branch which is, 
that's big for us. You know, usually when we, like say during a bargaining period when we're having you know, meetings about bargaining, we might get between 50 to 100 people. Um, you know, so to get 50 people, you know, on a week's notice to something that's not specifically, you know, in the kind of legal remit of the union or whatever uh, is a sign. That's, that's a sign. And it's also, you know, some of those people who came were people who, some, well, it's interesting actually, some of them were people who have never been to a union meeting before, which is probably worth thinking about. But there was also a layer of them who, you know, just as importantly, were people who actually had been pushing for things. You know, they'd been looking for things to do. Three or four of them had actually asked me, why aren't we doing more around climate? Why aren't we doing, you know, what can we do about this? So, yeah, it has brought more people into kind of activism in the union in that way. But we've also, as I said, at that meeting, we set up a number of sort of aims. And one of them is to is to build up towards the next global climate strike and actually try to shut our campus down, you know, you, to use that as our goal. You know, we got a couple of hundred people out, but they weren't really on strike. Most of them, you know, took sick leave or, or whatever um, because of the bloody, you know, the, the, the shocking industrial, you know, the, the ban, the anti-union laws in this country. Um, so along the same lines, it's, you know, there's this mass sentiment around climate action. Well, we should be using that as a way to try to push up against the restrictive laws that stop us from taking industrial action in the first place. And, you know, it's a popular demand. I think if we can get people organised and, and willing to actually say, yes, I am prepared to go on strike to, you know, around to defend, to, to demand urgent action on climate change. Yeah. Um, you know, why not give that a shot as well? So, so we've got a few kind of aims there. Um, and why do you think this is union business? Like, why bring the two together? You know, I think those of us who have been on the left of the union movement you know, have always, I guess that's what's marked us out, isn't it, from, you know, from the more right-wing unionists that we've... Our view's always been that working-class issues, not just like the union itself, you know, not just the union in a legal sense, but uh, the idea that workers should use our collective strength and our collective power to fight to make the world the sort of world that we want to live in. Um, well, all of that then is union business, you know, whether that's about wages and hours or whether it's about, you know, um, you know, fighting against oppression around sexual oppression, gender oppression, racism, um, you know. Green. I mean, there's a glorious history in this in this country of. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, the builders' labourers fighting for green spaces, the green bands, you know, fighting countries, hey, parkland, the idea that workers should have somewhere that's not just concrete, you know, um, with a long history of that. And so I think it's always been union business and, and you know, that's the heart of it. We, we need to use our collective power to turn the world into the sort of world that we want to live in. Yeah, awesome. I, I noticed this week that uh, the Victorian Trades Hall also passed a motion in support of the IMARC blockade. So, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm wondering, do you have conversations with people when you try and bring this up as, you know, a union issue that we should be talking about and and fighting for? And there are workers who are in the fossil fuel industry. How do you kind of talk to those people that, yeah, their livelihoods are on the line? One of the sort of key words, I guess, that gets thrown around these days is this idea of a just transition, mm. you know, that people shouldn't shouldn't lose their livelihoods. Um I think actually the conversation has moved a bit beyond that. You know, the, the sense of crisis that's been generated in the last 12 to 18 months, um, you know, with the um, international, with the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate climate Change, and, you know, they gave us the 12, last year they gave us 12 years, the 12-year deadline uh, to reduce our carbon emissions by, what was it, 45% or something, in order to minimise the increase in temperature. You know, even that would be conceding that there would be some kind of increase, and that, and that increase would also have, you know, in, enormous impacts on humanity across the globe. And so that short, you know, the shortness of that of that time scale um, has, I think, shifted the conversation on 
obviously we're all for a just transition. We're not saying anyone should ever lose their jobs or be you know hard done by, but but I think these days it's you know we need we actually need radical change, and I think a lot of people obviously there's some people who work in the kind of resource extraction of fossil fuel sectors who you know who are struggling to get their heads around that. But it's, it is worth noting though that there are a lot of people who work in those industries who who know you know who understand what's going on, and one of the best stories from the climate strike was. Uh, on the day of the climate strike, there was a um, there was already a strike underway uh, at a, a rubber plant out in the western suburbs of Melbourne, where they, one of the things they produce there uh, is the rubber conveyor belts for the coal mines around Australia. Um, so they actually they are part of the you know, the coal kind of manufacturing industry in that sense. Uh, some of those people from that workplace uh, actually took a contingent down from their own picket line and went to the climate strike. I think one of them actually spoke at the rally. You know, to say, well, yeah, we we work in this industry, but we still want the industry to stop. You know, because we understand that the planet, you know, we, we understand what the scientists are saying. We get that. We want this industry to stop. Um, you know, I think that that needs to be the starting point. You know, like how do we have radical change? How do we stop these industries from doing what they're doing immediately? You know, and then and then we have to think about, well, what do we do with you know the millions of workers then who are going to be you know struck hard by that? And to me, this whole thing actually. It's hard to reconcile within within capitalism. You know, we need radical change that says, okay, profits are no longer coming first. You know, the first priority has to be looking after people. Yeah. And that means yes, stopping those stopping those polluting industries, but it also means making sure no one's going to be you know thrown on the scrap heap or starve without a job or anything. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, our capitalism is going to struggle to do that, and so we have to fight both fights essentially. You know, it's, it's part of the same struggle. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's very well put. Stick together. Stick together. Stick Stick together. 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 And why the climate emergency is union business. Now we're going to hear from Marcus, who attended the Rockpool rally yesterday, after the Fair Work Ombudsman this week confirmed it is investigating Rockpool Dining Group over union claims that the company doctored timesheets in Melbourne and Sydney to avoid fully paying workers for hours they worked. United Voice Victorian Secretary Ben Redford told the ABC that lawyers had estimated Rockpool could owe workers more than $10 million in back pay. It could be the biggest case we've seen of wage theft in the hospitality industry, he said. Mr Redford said staff members would clock in and out using a fingerprint scanner, but he alleged some staff had witnessed managers changing the recorded times. People were working 70 to 80 hour weeks but have records showing they only worked 38.5 hours, he said. Mr Redford said the union would be requesting electronic records of timesheet data from Rockpool Dining Group to prove the allegations. So let's hear from the rally. Workers are under attack, what do we do? Yeah. 
incredible leaders. And then we're going to march down to Rosetta and Rockpool and Spice Temple, where we're going to set up in a similar fashion. Um, and of course, we're going to make lots and lots of noise on the way there. So, if you would like to gather behind um, the takeaway slip of the menu banner. South Bank on the tour on the rally against the Rockpool and just tell us a bit about your 
situation you're experiencing in the hospitality industry? Yeah, sure. So I'm a volunteer for Hospo um, Voice, like one of the organisers. So I've worked in uh, hospitality for about 10 years, been underpaid at a lot of my jobs, um, and I was working with um, underneath George Columbaris for a few years. So um, I fought against those guys for the last couple of years, and we just got all of our back paints from that a couple of weeks ago. And so I'm here down to support all the Rockpool workers because I know how hard it is to try and fight up against these big names and try and get um, unions should wages, not just be about so-called bread, bread and butter. Uh, unions, apart from wage theft, uh, what are some of the conditions the hospitality workers work under on a daily basis? Yeah, well, I mean, here at Rockpool, we've got an example of one of the chefs who's taking Rockpool to court because he was doing 20-hour shifts back-to-back, four hours between his shifts, so he was sleeping on the benches in the kitchen. Like, that's just ridiculous. And what's your message to Rockpool groups, to George Columbaris, to the federal government, every other company that thinks wage theft is okay? It's Well, it's not okay. We deserve to get paid for the work that we work for. That is just a 101 contract between a worker and an employer. So we're just asking them to literally pay the minimum wage and if you haven't, back pay your workers. And why is it important for workers to be a member of their union? Well, the, none of this would have happened without a union. It's really scary standing up to these big names. This is a multi-multi-million dollar company and it's only happened because we can join up as a group and take them on and it's working. So, yeah. Thanks, Ola. Keep up the fight. Welcome. Thank you. That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening and thanks to Liam Ward and Marcus Harrington for their contributions. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377 and leaving us a message. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Rebecca Langley. Catch you next time.